Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Thursday, the eighth day of Lent. We begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my offenses, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and write in your judgment. Indeed, I was born steeped in wickedness, a sinner from my mother's womb. Indeed, you delight in truth deep within me, and would have me know wisdom deep within. Remove my sins with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be purer than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my wickedness. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Let me teach your ways to offenders, and sinners shall be restored to you. Rescue me from bloodshed, O God, of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a troubled and broken heart, O God, you will not despise. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful Father, you freely forgive those who, as David of old, acknowledge and confess their sins. Create in us pure hearts and wash away all our sins in the blood of your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days God has spoken to us by a son. A reading from Deuteronomy chapter 15, beginning this morning at verse 1. Every seventh year you shall grant a remission of debts. And this is the manner of the remission. Every creditor shall remit the claim that is held against a neighbor, not exacting it of a neighbor who is a member of the community because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but you must remit your claim on whatever any member of your community owes you. There will, however, be no one in need among you, because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a possession to occupy. If only you will obey the Lord your God by diligently observing this entire commandment, what I command you today. When the Lord your God has blessed you as he promised you, you will lend to many nations but will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. 
If there is among you anyone in need, a member of your community in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. Be careful that you do not entertain a mean thought, thinking the seventh year, the year of remission, is near, and therefore view your needy neighbor with hostility and give nothing. Your neighbor might cry to the Lord against you, and you would incur guilt. Give liberally, and be ungrudging when you do so, for on this account the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. If a member of your community, whether a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and works for six years, in the seventh year you shall set that person free. And when you send a male slave out from you, a free person, you shall not send him out empty-handed. Provide liberally of your own flock, your fleshing threshing floor, and your wine press, thus giving to him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. For this reason I lay this command before you today. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he is well off with you, then you shall take an awl, thrust it through his earlobe into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. You shall do the same with regard to your female slave. Do not consider it a hardship when you send them out from you, free persons, because for six years they have given you service worth the wages of hired laborers, and the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Perhaps an unfortunate legacy of the Cold War is our tendency to see only capitalists or socialists. And this really interferes with our ability to hear and understand God's word in Scripture. This section from Deuteronomy is an excellent case in point. The commandments we find here are almost unintelligible to us. We're a people who lend money as a way of making money. And we measure the riskiness of a loan on the basis of whether or not the money that is ours will come back to us and come back to us with interest. But to get at what's going on here, we have to remember that God wants God's people to know that what they have is theirs as a gift. It belongs to God, and God has given it to them as their inheritance and as their share in God's kingdom. But that inheritance is also shared by others in the kingdom. We may hear immediately that we are no longer operating as capitalists in a capitalist system. As well we should, because the ancients were not capitalists. Neither were they operating as socialists, and for similar reason, the ancients were not and could not be socialists either. There are neither capitalists nor socialists in the Bible, and that is good news because it gives us the freedom now to try to understand what is actually being proposed and the implications for this way of living. And what we discover, I think, is a working out of the commandment to love the neighbor in such a way that we're bound to one another, so that the land and its produce are never ever the exclusive property of the landowner to do with whatever that landowner wishes. 
fellow citizens of this kingdom, by their need and their neediness, make a claim on these resources as well, by virtue of their membership within this fellowship. Each of us is obligated to help a needy neighbor. That assistance is not to be predatory, and it is to respect the dignity of that fellow citizen. And every seventh year, those debts are forgiven and forgiven joyfully because the purpose of the loan was to care and love for neighbor, not to recoup principal at interest. So it is an economic system with a core value of love for neighbor as a way of showing love and gratitude for God. To refuse to give or lend to a neighbor in need risks that neighbor turning to God in prayer, a prayer that would hold us guilty of the sin against our neighbor, that would convict us of a sin that we have not left our neighbor as ourselves in what we have done and in what we've left undone. The bond of love is so great that Moses can declare that there will be no poor among them and at the same time remind them that there will never cease to be a time when someone is not in need. The generosity of the community keeps all from poverty, and the law itself aims to enrich an entire community and not just one person or one subset of people. It is, by design, a series of commandments that prevent a dramatic gap between rich and poor that they experienced and that so oppressed them when they were slaves in Egypt. Creating safeguards and laws and customs based on divine obligation to love and care for our needy neighbor, and that to prevent the uneven distribution of the produce of this nation is not socialism, it's Torah. It is not enforced by the power of the state because there is no state, but enforced by culture, custom, and by the faithfulness to God. And attached to these laws are once again a promise about this people's freedom and their place in this land that God is giving to them. For those who know the rest of the story, the fiery critique that come from the prophets and are leveled against the kings and the elite in the land, and in the loss then eventually of both freedom and land, we can guess at the problems that God's people had in living out the promise of this vision. But before we wave our hands and say that this won't work for us or dismiss God's vision for human community, maybe we could spend some time imagining what communities would actually be like if love for God and love for neighbor guided the way we lived and interacted with each other in all aspects of our life, even economically. Scripture presents an alternative way of living in the world. Where and how could we start to live the difference? I wonder. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, 
to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, the communion of faith in your church, for the gift of relationship with others. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all of your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and especially the people, the ministries, the leaders of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife and warfare. Think of the people of Ukraine and people of Russia. For people who work for peace and international harmony, for all who welcome strangers, who are welcoming refugees and feeding and clothing and sheltering them, for those who are caring for the sick, for those who are comforting the mourning, and for all who strive to save this earth from carelessness and destruction. For who else or for what else do we pray this morning? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.